Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and I'm here today with guest, with co-host Tom. Tom, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Is that what you're going with today? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty simple right now. We're, you know, after the Acaticon break, you know, Thanksgiving, I'm, I'm, we're getting back into it. You know? I mean, that's so. pretty basic, but it's solid. It's, it's a very solid, how you doing, everyone? Yeah. I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'll, I'll stick with that for right now. Fantastic. Well, we are here today for another faculty meeting episode. This will be a faculty meeting 150. It's a continuation of this sort of redux, redo, where we're looking back at older episodes of the RPG Academy podcast, specifically the early dungeon talk slash faculty meetings, and seeing how they live up to today, what has changed, what might be the same or might be different. And we're here today for faculty meeting number 150, what makes a quote-unquote good campaign. And I think we're looking back on Dungeon Talk 11, right? Yes. Dungeon Talk 11, titled, We're Back. We're Back! So, and we'll get, we'll talk about the context of why it was called that. This one, there's there's sort of a serendipitous nature to this one, where we are today revisiting Dungeon Talk 11, which was then sort of a revisit of things that had come before. Yeah. And what we talked about then actually relates to a lot of things we're talking about now. It's just like this weird kismet sort of thing. Yeah, this one is very relevant. So we'll All dive right. in. Well, before we do that, though, we always like to take a moment, take a step back and talk about why we are here. Tom and I are going to have these... Or, the, the goal for this conversation that Tom and I are about to have is that somewhere in this conversation, there'll be some little nugget, some little pinch of wisdom that you, dear listener, can take back to your table to make your games more fun. But we understand that the opinions we share and the advice we give may not work at every table every time, but there is one piece of advice that we feel is pretty universal. And Tom, what is that one piece of advice? If you're having fun, you're doing it right. That is correct, sir. So no matter what game you're playing, the system or edition, what rules you use, don't use, or misuse, as long as you and your friends at your table are having a good time, you're doing it right. So with that out of the way, let's start with our RPG news. Tom, what do you have for me? Okay, so kicking some stuff off, a little bit of some sad news here. David Middleton, better known as the Digital Dungeon Master, passed away earlier this week. And so... This is, I want to bring this up because the Digital Dungeon Master was actually, it was one of the first resources that I found when I got into RPGs, like, which is, it's kind of comes all full circle. So just kind of let people know, I know that um, the, there's, there's a lot of people that, that Dave really helped out when 5e first came out because he was at the foreground of making digital tools and sharing content online specifically for 5e at its launch. Yes, there's tons of stuff now, but he kind of became like for myself and my group, like his um, pre-made characters were a huge way to teach us how to make our own characters. He had basically a character of every single level for every single class basically every single subclass so you could find whatever you wanted so it's great for one shots and i know that um dave also uh worked for uh i'm blanking it for forge what's the digital tabletop why am i blanking on it fantasy grounds all right he dave was a huge did a ton of work for fantasy grounds too so a lot of people over there will miss him as well so i just want to bring that out you know uh it's always sad when we lose somebody in the community, especially somebody who really helped uh, a lot of new players, such as myself, when we were first getting started. So just wanted to bring that 
let everybody know. So yep. RIP, uh, right- Dave, rest in peace. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully roll some D20s wherever you are now, sir. Yeah. So also just let you all know. So Dave's site is currently under construction right now. I don't know if that has to do with his passing, if uh, his family took it down briefly, but I really hope that that gets put back up so that people can uh, just, you know, continue to use his stuff. So is really helpful and Dave will be missed. So uh, the other piece of RPG news, this is a big one uh, that kind of affects a lot of like more uh, behind the scenes industries talk is Cortex Prime released their open gaming license uh, and they got a lot of negative feedback about it. So Cortex, for those who know Cortex Prime, uh, it was a big system, probably around like, I'm going to say like, when did the Firefly game? That was like Cortex peak. You had Firefly, Smallville, a bunch of other licensed TV the, games. Uh, the new Marvel, the newer, because there's a new Marvel coming out yeah. now they're working on, but the, the, yeah. the Marvel heroic system was Cortex. So what happened though was Cortex was kind of doing their own thing. And then in the last few years, there was a huge resurgence of Cortex stuff. Uh, a lot of it had to do with... Uh, two things, which is Cortex's new ability to market their game to licensed IPs, such as Tales of Zadia, and then also the uh, the Mas- He-Man Masters of the Universe yeah. game, and then also with Into the Motherlands using Cortex and their massively popular Twitch stream. All right. So Cortex all resurgence. So what Cortex did was they released an open gaming license a couple days ago, all right? And some good open gaming license that we're all familiar with is Open Legend. There's there's Morkborg. There's all sorts of other games that have really open games. Um, Rowan, Rook, and Decker of Heart, like a lot of great games. So Cortex released theirs, and they kind of pitched it as, hey, we're making a game for the community to use. But then when you go to read their actual license, the two things were... It says, hey, uh, what is my IP? And anything that you create, you know, your worlds, the names, you own those. But then the next thing was, what if I make new rules or anything? Whose is that? And the Cortex just straight up says, that's ours. So if you want to make any free supplement, Cortex Prime was saying, we own those. You can't publish anything anywhere other than in our ecosystem. So it was very... It's very odd. There's a few different... Um, so there's a lot of pushback. They're going back and they're going to try to rework this. Uh, it A lot of it is corpo speak and lots of lawyer talk because for, for those who don't know, uh, Cortex is owned by Fandom, who is then in turn owned by TPG Capital, which is a big private equity firm. I mean, they own everything from like PetSmart to Fender Guitars. Okay. So okay. I'm not... So yeah. So it's a... This is definitely coming from the top um and uh the other thing is too there's some crazy conspiracy i read dicebreakers article about it and the one thing that they threw out there which they even called like this may be kind of crazy um with cortex trying to um bring in new ips this may have just been something that they put out there in order to make themselves more attractive to bigger ips you know i mean Zadia, anything from like Nickelodeon, Star Wars, those big, those big names to attract them to say, oh, we have this really good, strong legal base where people aren't going to steal your stuff. Hmm. So um, 
it'll be interesting to see what happens. But with all the new IP games coming out and a lot more people hacking games now, um, and with Cortex seeing a resurgence and a lot of people coming to it, it felt really weird for them to just kind of almost like like deck the community with this one. So, yeah, it, you know, because I know Cam, I don't know Cam Banks. I'm familiar with Cam Banks online. I've met him once in person. He seems like a really nice guy. And I yeah. know he's the original of Cortex, but obviously the corporate overlords, you know, they must be served. Uh, but I would like to think that this is probably somewhat of an oversight, as well as maybe just a misunderstanding of the nature of the TTRPG community from those corporate overlords, which hopefully will be rectified to a more amenable situation for people who like to do this stuff for fun, but also don't want to give up all their creations if they do decide just to use Cortex for their next big little hack they do. Yeah, so I went to Cam's Twitter and a few other of the Cortex uh, creators, and they were all a little shocked. I don't think they realized this. And I think they, it, it may just, they may go rework it how everybody wants, but I just don't think that they had a real strong grasp of, the, yeah, like you said, the landscape of just the creative uh, environment that tabletop RPGs are right now. And uh, so, yeah, I think it was, it was definitely an oversight. So we'll see what happens. All righty. What else? Uh, that's it for news right now. Uh, I've been, you know, uh, you know, just hanging out after Thanksgiving. Haven't been on social media a whole lot. And I, there's all sorts of great Kickstarters right now, but I could talk about Kickstarter games forever. So, As One of these days I'm going to get back to doing that Kickstarter-specific show that we were doing because I really enjoyed yeah. that. It was a lot of fun. But just a lot. life got in the way and it's, you know, it's, it's an ever-changing landscape. So it's pretty much you have to do it every week or you're you're behind <laughs> yes you are but so that's the news but uh we've got some you know inside baseball inside rpg news so uh, rpg academy news so uh let's see action 12 cinema michael so i was in contact with tracy uh, a couple days ago i missed the deadline i set for myself to have the second draft back to tracy i don't know what the hell i was smoking because with the catacon basically all of <laughs> october Yep. All of November, I should just know to block them out of my calendar. We're not going to do anything else other than those two things because I'm so busy getting ready for it. And then I'm so exhausted after it that there's just, there's no reason to even fool myself. But I did and I thought, oh, I'll be able to work on it here and there. So no. So I contacted Tracy and I gave myself a new deadline by the end of this month. So by the beginning of basically of next year, I will have the next set of revisions back to Tracy based off of the more recent playtests that I've done that have all gone very, very well. And uh, there's been some very positive changes come out of it, but still the game seems to be like, like we could release it now and it's fun to play, but it's not in a polished condition that it would actually you know do well on the Kickstarter. Uh, and I've been subbing recently in the last couple of days I've been subbing. I've been able to like work while I'm subbing because they're basically the students take care of themselves. I'm just there to make sure they don't like kill each other. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I'm almost done. I'm like 90% of the way done through my new revision. So I, I have no reason to think that I will not hit my deadline to have it to Tracy by the end of the month. I also gave a copy of the most recent version to a friend of the show, Curtis. Uh, he was on one of our reviews recently. He comes to a catacomb every year. He played in an Action 12 Cinema playtest at a catacomb this year. And he offered to run it for his group who wasn't there to see how one how it plays without me there to kind of massage it, as well as to see how well the book does at 
presenting the information that I presented to the players at the time. So he is supposed to, there's no pressure, may not have, but no obligation, but he's supposed to run a play test with his home group sometime this month. And I hope to have that feedback in time to incorporate into the next set of uh, revisions, but it is still moving along. It's slower than I wanted, but not really slower than I expected. And I'm super excited to get more and more people involved to see where it is, where, you know, at this point, I just want to get it out in the world so that people can start playing with it. We'll probably have an open game license at some point, but it'll be Ooh. like, I don't know. I made this shit up. You do it yourself. Oh, my word. The This Action 12 Cinema just screams like open license. Like, it really does. There's so many genres and tropes that people can hack with this thing. So, who knows? Michael, we'll have some lawyers look over it. <laughs> Does some lawyers speak? We're going to make so much money. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, all right. That's super cool. Uh, looking forward to that. So let's hop into some... I know, a catacon just ended, folks. I know. You hear us talk about it all the time. But afterwards, uh, yeah, let's give us some catacon updates. So, so the brief of it is um, I was legitimately terrified that this would probably be the last catacon in this form because the fee schedule I had gotten from the DCC for 2022 was outrageous. And I just, I mean, flat out, there was no way we were going to be able to afford their rates and hold our event. It just wasn't possible. So we held it this year. It went well. I mean, we were very low attended. We knew that. We didn't make any money. We lost yeah. a little bit. We knew that. But it was still a fun time. I'm glad we did it. Well, I got the the quote for next year, and it's not bad at all. In fact, it's, it's in some ways cheaper than it was this year because they're just comping a bunch of stuff. So basically, they have a fee schedule for this is how much this room would cost, but we're just not going to charge you for that. So at this point, there's no reason to believe that we wouldn't hold the event. I mean, it's not official yet, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to mark your calendars for November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, or 4th, 5th, and 6th, whatever that is, that, that weekend in 2022. However, the one caveat is I have sort of a friend of the show who also works at a hotel and a convention center in Lima, Ohio, and he is pretty convinced that they can give us a much more attractive offer, even in in light of this new offer from the DCC. So I have all the information about what we would need, what we normally get all that stuff to them. And I should be getting a quote back from them in the next couple of weeks. I mean, it's going to have to be really good to consider, yeah. you know, moving from Dayton, which we've kind of made a home Lima is a little bit further out, but if it is very good, then that is a certainly something we will look into. Uh, they've offered to put us up in a hotel overnight to uh, check out their accommodation. So we, maybe you and I will go do that and do like a little writer's ah. retreat. Um, okay. We'll see. But Almost guaranteed that we will be back in 2022 on those weekend. Almost guaranteed it will be in Dayton, but you know, nothing is set in stone until I say otherwise. And then very, very last thing, VIPs. If you are a VIP to the Catacon in 2020, because we didn't do it last year on the Kickstarter, and you have not filled out the survey I've sent to you multiple times, please do that. The faculty retreat will be confirmed this weekend. We're going to send all the information, and I still have about 10 people who have not responded to that survey. It would be really, really helpful if you could. Okay, that's right. it for me. Super cool. Uh, yeah, no, so um, I'm sure, listeners, you will get more Akatacon updates. All right, so uh, with that out of the way, let's jump into the bulk of the episode. All right, boom, so boom, boom. Dungeon Talk 11, we're back. All right, so 
I like to provide some context. So we're back is it's titled this because this was recorded in January of some year long time ago. I don't know the year, but should be 2013. 2013. Wow. All right. So the the okay so 2013 you all had just taken like a two and a half to three month break right and you're back so i mean you were only did 10 episodes um and you took a break and you came back so pod fade did not hit you all the rpg academy is still here they survived the bump so but we you took a break because michael this is the surgery that yes. everybody, this could, all right, so I want you to talk about this for anybody who doesn't know, who doesn't follow us on Twitter, isn't on social media, talk about this. But yeah, you had a very uh, serious surgery. It, this episode was so great because this episode could have been a real bummer. All right, <laughs> like for real, like you talked about some heavy stuff. And we joke about how Evan was kind of a, he was not the, you know, most proper person, some crass jokes, but he really did make this episode so good because you're just trying to talk about this serious thing. And he keeps making the most offhand comments about your surgery and it made it actually kind of fun. So, all right. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the surgery. Give us the history. All right. So again, for those of you who don't already know, this would sort of be the short version of this. So I was suffering from these just uh, recurring ear infections. Could not get rid of them. I was already seeing an ear specialist, but they weren't really accomplishing anything. And so long story short, they decided to do exploratory surgery. They sent me to have an MRI before the surgery. The day I got the MRI, I got a call from the nurse who said, you need to go to the hospital now. And I'm like, now, now? She's like, now, now. And at the time I was living in Cincinnati, I was in Fairfield, and there's a hospital like, well, maybe one mile from my house. And I said, well, can I go to this hospital? Because it's really close to my house. And she's like, no, you have to go to this other hospital because there's a neurosurgeon on site. And I'm like, bleep. And, you know, I got very emotional. I got very upset. I'm starting to cry because I, I don't know what's happening. And again, if you don't already know, nurses are not allowed to diagnose. It's, there's like this, it's a legal thing. I don't quite understand it. But the nurse was not able to tell me why I needed to go to the hospital. She could only tell me that I needed to go right now because I needed something that requires a neurosurgeon to be involved with. So clearly, I think I'm dying. I mean, I had absolutely as 100% convinced I'm dying which i guess technically everyone's dying but i thought i was going a lot faster than average right you're speed running it <laughs> i'm speed running yeah, exactly so the wife gets home this was the wednesday before thanksgiving as well so the wife gets home we get the kids dropped off we drive 45 minutes to the downtown cincinnati hospital i get seen by the neurosurgeon and yes i have a very critical condition but it's not we're going to take you into surgery now i think i got into surgery like within two weeks like seven or eight days later should have been a four to five hour surgery. It ended up being about eight and a half. I had an apple sized tumor like growth. It's called a cholesteatoma. It's a non benign tumor that was attached to the lining of my brain. So it wasn't a brain tumor. I sometimes say that just because it's easier for people to understand, but it was basically attached to the lining of my brain. The issue being that eventually it would have broken the lining, it would have punctured it, which would then have exposed my brain to that ever present infection which, uh, as the doctor said, would cause a meningitis, coma, and death, and not necessarily in that <laughs> order. Uh, the doctor even told, like, when I saw the surgeon who actually did the surgery, he said, 
if I wasn't talking to you now, if I just saw your scans, I would assume that either you're in the hospital in a coma or you're dead. Like he was kind of amazed that I seemed to be perfectly yeah. functional based off of these scans. So this was a life threatening situation. So I had the surgery. Uh, I was in the ICU for like three or four days. I was off work at home recovering for about a month. And I'm completely deaf in my left side now because all that, just basically everything got emptied out like the, like a bad trash can at this point. But I've had a full recovery. I have no neuro issues, you know, as far as my development, cognition, everything's fine. Other than I'm deaf and I have this titanium screw in the side of my head, which is really annoying. Um, I seem to have made a full recovery. I have to have an MRI roughly every six months to make sure that the tumor is not coming back. Surprise, surprise, on my last one, they saw something. But it wasn't definitively something, but it was maybe not nothing. So we're waiting till February, which I misspoke. I get up, sorry, I get an MRI every three years. I'm currently getting them every six months because they saw something on the last one. And they want to see if it's growing or changed or anything. So in February, I'll have another MRI and hopefully it will either present itself more clearly as something or more clearly show, oh, it's nothing. Because there's a lot of scarring in there from the surgery, yeah. so it could have just been that. And if you ever had an MRI, you got to lay still for like 45 minutes. Yep. I can't lay still for a minute, so it's possible I just like moved a little bit, and it caused a little wrinkle in the image. So there's lots of things that it could be. One of which is also a return of the cholesterol, which would require an additional surgery. Gotcha. Yeah. So this was this is why this episode was relevant because you every year for people who follow you on Twitter and. Uh, the RPG Academy on Facebook, you post every year around Thanksgiving. This is your, what you're thankful for, which kind of makes sense. The surgery happened. You found this out right around Thanksgiving time. Yep. So you just made your post. And then I just go listen to this. I was like, oh, this is <laughs> this time period in Michael's life. And so, but what's so funny about it, we can kind of laugh about it now and everything. But back then you literally just had this done and Evan's making all sorts of jokes about other growths that you have and everything. Yeah. And it's just, oh, uh, and that I will was, say anyway. Evan was one of only two people yeah. that came and visited me in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, I had from, from work and from friends. I mean, I had other people who came like when I was home, but I, I, it really meant a lot that he, he took some time to come see me in the hospital. I don't really remember anything other than being there. Cause I was so drugged out. Like I don't, you know, there's just, I have very scattered memories, but I, if, if Evan, if you're listening, which I know you're not, but if you are, thank you, man, I miss you. So the what makes this relevant to tabletop RPGs, though, is when you guys were talking about this, you guys were trying to figure out how you were going to get back to your campaign. Because, yes, you had taken a three-month break from the podcast, but you had also taken a three-month break from Made Men, which I want to talk about this, too, because this is the first time it gets brought up. But you all were kind of like, what's it like coming back? What is everybody's characters? Are you going to be able to do it? Is everybody going to remember everything? So, Michael, let's talk about this then, because this is kind of relevant as well. <laughs> well, yeah, another level, because, way we just came off about a two-month break because of at Catacon, and I'm about to try to restart a campaign that's been on hold for about three months because of a Catacon. Exactly. So, let's talk about coming back from a game after taking an extended break. A lot of, we never want to end a campaign, so were you all able to continue your campaign then? Yes, uh, we got back into Made Men, and again, it continues to be one of my favorite things I've ever ran. It's one of our best actual plays we've ever produced on the show. Uh, people really seem to enjoy that campaign quite a lot. Um, I don't have a strong memory of anything we did specifically, though, to get back into it. 
Um, other than, you know, I'm sure we probably, because the benefit is that we had the podcast. So I yeah. probably said, hey, everyone go listen to the stuff that we had done before to refresh yourself. That would probably be the biggest advice I can have is start a podcast and then you'll have everything recorded, except when you don't because you mess up and don't record, which happens to us all the time. So the so what are you doing now? Because let's talk now about Shadow Spawns, because Shadow Spawns has been on a somewhat of a break and you guys are going to be picking it back up. Have you changed your approach then? Or how have you been preparing? What's this going to look like? So what my plan is for here, because again, I, I made the joke, but yeah, uh, Shadow Spawns has had so many problems with recording. We we don't even have half the episodes recorded. It's never going to come out as a podcast because there's, there's just wouldn't make any sense at this point. But one of the things we've talked about doing, uh, and this is still kind of unique to us in this particular show, is doing sort of a recap catch up episode so that people who want to jump in can and also to kind of, you know, if, because we've had so many lost episodes. So my current plan is the characters are on a boat. They're, they're in a ship. They're sailing across the ocean towards a living dungeon, which is a thing in 13th Age. And I'm going to talk to each of my players, and I'm going to have them come up with some sort of dream slash nightmare that they think their character would be having because of some influence in the area that they're about to go into. And we're going to use that as a recap mechanism. So every character is going to have a chance to give sort of a dream state version of what has happened in the campaign so far in the perspective of their character. And that's probably the only thing we are going to do on that first session back. I'm not going to try to do any major reveals. Probably won't be any combat. More than likely, it's going to end on sort of like a cliffhangery thing. So hopefully I'll get them hooked for next time. But we're going to take the entire first session and recap everything that's gone on so far. A, this is going to help me make sure they do know what I think they know, that they think is important, what I think they think is important. And then if there's any big gaps in things that they're like, you know, they don't mention this at all, but it's supposed to be important then it will give me a chance to like bring that back in some way, hopefully organically so that any reveals or twists or turns will land. So I guess in big pictures, that would be my, probably my first thing is the first session back after a while. Don't be afraid to make it a recap session. You know, there's an element of like, you know, you want to capture the magic. You want to like start big and bombastic and Michael Bay and with explosions. Yeah. For me, I think that would be a bad choice. Maybe not for you, for you, the listener, but for me, I think it makes sense to like, let's take a moment. Let's go through this. Let's kind of relive the things that we, that we've already done that we loved. Let's laugh about them again. Let's maybe recontextualize them a little bit, make sure we're all on the same page so that the next time we get together, I can do that. Okay. Now we're back in a Michael Bay movie. Okay. Yeah. I like that. The idea of a more like character focused session just to kind of, because that's the big thing. I feel like we've taken, uh, in my home game, taken a few breaks. I mean, even in Ghost of Saltmarsh, because we only play every other week, if you miss a week, it's a month in between sessions. So the big thing is whenever we have those kind of breaks, just kind of like really focusing on the characters. Like last night, we picked back up on Ghost of Saltmarsh after not playing for a month. And we really just kind of had like a, 30 to 45 minute scene of them just kind of hanging out in their in their house and it was them as they're in character but they're kind of recapping in character they're like 
oh, this is crazy. I can't believe this happened. And then them talking about, we do a lot of talking about feelings in my games. It's just kind of, it just happens. And so, um, and that was just them kind of talking about how their character was feeling. I think that really helped the players kind of just get back into the character headspace that they needed. I did not do it. I purposely did not do a long recap because if I were to do a long recap, it would have just taken so long. I was like, you know what? I gave I gave them notes. We're just going to go with that. I'm not going to recap it. I'm just we're just going to give them the highlights and we're just going to jump right in. Like just uh, instead of them just kind of sitting there for like 15 minutes as I talk at them, just I would rather just, you know, start playing. Right. And I think to clarify my my version is it's not going to be me yeah talking to them it's going to be them telling me the version of the story and ideally what will happen is that the other players will play their characters in this dream sort of state so it's almost like i'm going to say you're the dm for a little bit but everyone's playing so like in the in a perfect execution of this i will do very little talking and the three of them will do these little like three vignettes one from each player's perspective but with the other two playing their characters um maybe monstrous versions maybe you know shadowy versions because the shadow spawns theme but yeah it's not going to be me recapping at all that is absolutely not what's going to happen the okay so the the other thing is i guess this is actually going to be more relevant for people too because we're kind of still in covid still around but people are playing together now but 2020 all right a lot of people's campaigns kind of went on hiatus including my own and we kind of joked about it before but i had honestly i had finished every campaign i'm proud to say every campaign i ever played or started we finished all right i've never had dead campaigns so covid time we were post pre-covid we were playing faith uh the science fiction rpg and we were playing for like a year an amazing campaign and then COVID hit and we had to stop. All right. And with the, it really sucked because it was such a good game. We were all having such a good time with it. And unfortunately that game never picked back up. Uh, it just kind of, it died specifically because, um, one of my players, uh, well, they just couldn't make it anymore. And at the time period, we all kind of just had the, we were all just kind of hoping that she would be able to join back up. And, you know, a lot of stuff happens in a year. Like people's life changes a lot. Like it just does. So we were never able to pick that up. And so we decided to instead move over to Forbidden Lands. Um, but long story short, like I want to eventually finish that campaign. Like, I may not have all the other, I may not have everybody and we'll have to figure that out, but the players who can and want to finish that, I really do want to finish it, but I'm still trying to figure out how do I go from, how do I pick up a game from two years ago? Yeah, that's, uh, well, first of all, I just want to say that the fact that you've never not finished a campaign. That's the only one. That is incredible to me. Again, as someone who's been running games now for like 30 some years, I'm pretty sure I've only actually had one <laughs> that I finished. Really? Yes. And That's that was so Made funny. Men. 
And it still it finished. It was somewhat abbreviated because if I remember correctly, we knew we were going to lose Nico pretty soon. And so we, we knew that campaign was going to die. So we kind of wrapped it up so that he could be part of the, the ending there. If I remember, I know, the, I know there's a reason specifically why we did end it. Um, but then we started another one and I think he was there for part of that. But anyway, but yeah, like, I, so you've had one, you've not, I've had one That's that it. I have. That's okay. All right. We're two sides of the same coin. All right. Yeah. So I'm just thinking like, I mean, I don't even remember. I take detailed session notes, but there's all sorts of stuff I don't remember from it. Um, but I do want to just, just so we can say that we've finished it. So I don't know what that's going to look like. But yeah, I mean, taking a break from a campaign. I mean, if you took, if anybody who's listening took a break during COVID, like, and if you went a year without playing and then picked back up, same campaign. I mean, I personally would like to know about that because I'm about to do the same thing. Yeah, uh, email us, therpgacademy at gmail.com. We'd love to hear both good stories and maybe some bad things, like what you tried to do that failed or maybe, a, you know, your attempt. And if you, for me, a, like a big question I always like to ask in interviews, not that I interview people anymore, but like when I used to interview for people I'd hire to, to, to hire, one of the things that I always ask them is like, what, what is something that you disliked about your previous job or your previous whatever? And what would you do now to change it to see if they've actually put some thought into like how they can make things better. If I was dealing with like younger people, I'd ask them like class, like in college, like what was your least favorite class in college? What was your favorite thing about your least favorite class? It was one of my favorite questions to ask anybody. Yeah. And so I would love to know if you tried this and it failed terribly, what would you do differently? So you, you now have the experience of I tried A, B, and C. It was a disaster. Okay, well, what would you do differently now? So I'd love to hear that. So please email us at the RPG Academy at gmail.com yeah. and let us know. Or join our Discord. Or join all our right. Discord, yes. So the so one of the this is interesting though, because you all were able to pick back up and made men. And this was kind of cool too, because Evan was so excited to get back into it. He couldn't stop talking about how he thought it was like the best campaign that he had ever been a part of, and he was ready to go. So what I want you to do is, like, yeah, you t you mentioned Maiden Men, and not, maybe newer listeners haven't. I've never listened to it. I'm not an actual play person, but I know that, like, this is one of your favorites. So tell us a little bit about, what, about Maiden Men, and then what do you think made it such a good campaign that you guys were willing to pick it back up after a break? Okay, so this is going to, generally okay. I try to be very self-effacing, very humble. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have to blow my own horn a little bit. Okay. 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 So, so a couple of things about Made Men is, so we had started a campaign uh, in D&D 3.5. This was uh, just about the time that 5th edition was about to come out. And we went to a, a play test, a 5e, when it was still called D&D Next play test. And we had a lot of fun. We really, really liked that. And th this, at this point, the podcast was a thing. So we decided we wanted to do a one shot of 5e so that we could talk about basically something for us to talk about on the podcast. So in the campaign I was running that was in 3.5, I knew that they were about to set sail across the sea to go to a city that they've never gone to before. Their characters and the players, neither one had no experience with it. So I thought it would be fun is I set I created the characters that they would play in this one shot were that were part of the criminal organization in the city that they their characters were going to go to. 
And the idea is that they would almost sort of set up their own opposition. And then when they got to the city, their characters would still be ignorant of everything, but the players would know, oh, these are some of the factions. These are some of the players. This might be some of the schemes that they're going involved in. And they had so much fun playing that one shot that across the board, everyone was like, we don't want to go back to your other campaign, Michael. It stinks. This is the campaign we want to play. So they took the characters I made for them for a one shot and said, no, I want this to be my character and we want to keep this campaign going. And a couple elements here is one. I think they liked the idea of kind of being the bad guys, but they weren't terrible. They were all kind of like good, but not bad guys type of situation. And this is where I'm going to be kind of a, a non humble jerk. I made some really good characters. Okay. Partly because I knew it was a one shot. So I like I really built built these very interesting characters so that they could latch onto them for this one shot. And they liked those characters more than the characters they made for themselves. But I also I already built them with attachments. And this yep. is something I probably do better now when I help make characters for, for a game because, like, we have a session zero. Ding, take a drink. You thought you were going to get through a whole episode without that, know, didn't right? you? Never. No. So they had connections to each other. They had connections to the factions. They had some secrets from each other that the others didn't know. So they were a lot more rounded and fleshed out characters and probably they were used to playing Keep in mind, Evan said this was the best campaign ever. This was probably his second campaign ever. <laughs> okay. And the other one was one I also ran. So, you know, the bar was pretty low. Um, also, um, so it was um, Evan. No, it was Evan, Rob, and Nico. Rob was also very, very new. Nico had played a few campaigns before. So his character was the one that I gave the secret that they were actually working for a different faction they were like a double agent spy kind of situation because i thought he could you know he had the role-playing chops and the experience to really relish in that and i really think that the the really well-rounded characters the connected characters the kind of bad guy characters and because it was a one shot it was a little bit more railroady than i normally would run so i got them into these really interesting situations with just like a little modicum of a connective tissue it it really was it was probably one of the best sessions i've ever ran it was great. They loved it. So yeah, we started an entire campaign and went from there. It was it was so much fun. And I did tech. You can listen to it. So if anyone wants to, there are some audio issues. This was one of our first ones. Some of the audio is terrible. There are missing episodes where we didn't hit record. Stuff happens. But it's called Made Men. If you go to the RPG Academy campaigns, and all the campaigns that we've ever released are still there. So Made Men is on there, Dead Center's on there, Secrets Lies and Undead, the current Ghost of Saltmarsh. All the campaigns that we've ever produced are still on that feed. The regular feed has so many episodes, it only keeps 300, and there's like 700 at this point, so you can't get those older episodes. Or you can go to the website, everything is downloadable there. But please, if you have any interest at all at, at actual plays, or you're not sure, give Made Men a listen. It's really good. I think you'll have a good time with it. I think one of the things, too, which I think makes this such a good campaign, and this is just something that I've kind of had in my games, is that you kind of said it. They already had connections to the world. Like, they had not character knowledge, but they had player knowledge of what was going on. It, It kind of, like, that almost makes it, like, you know stuff. It's almost like a sandbox that you there's things that you can play with and the players can pull these different levers and they know things and to me that just 
it just makes it so much more fun. It feels like you're as you as a player, you're sharing some of that creative aspect with the dungeon master. Mm-hmm. And that to me, like those are like the that that to me is like when you have a really good campaign, like that's like ca- character knowledge. You need to have your you need to have player knowledge of like it's OK. You can tell your players secrets and stuff. Hmm. So I also I another avenue I think was really successful is because Evan and Rob were kind of new to role playing games. I think they were more able more easily able to latch on to this almost like mafioso type persona than maybe a fantasy hero. Cause you okay. know, I don't think they've read as much fantasy as I had. So, you know, sort of like a breaking bad or Sopranos, that kind of thing. That's sort of the characters they were playing. They were basically, you know, low level organized crime. I just think they have a better sense of like what that means in the media so when it came time to play those characters it was a little bit easier to role play that than maybe this dirt farmer who has the destiny to pick up the sword of everlasting truth and destroy the demolich i don't think they had a good concept of those types of stories but they Uh, so i think that also helped too even though it's a fantasy world they were basically playing the sopranos in michael's fantasy world okay all right that kind of so just kind of like uh kind of subverting the tropes then like that kind of i i I could see that playing traditional fantasy like yeah it could get boring sometimes especially if you're not like into it like if i I don't necessarily say it's it's boring on its surface i just think for for me it's sort of like the marvel thing again i'm a true marvel fan i love all the movies but i think the movies that are most successful are not the marvel superhero movies they're the marvel blank movies and like civil war is uh or sorry winter soldier is probably one of my still top you know five easily top three marvel movie because it's basically a spy thriller yeah that's a superhero movie so we were playing D D, but we were playing against sort of a sopranos type thing so you had this sort of genre twist on it i think that's just a little bit easier or a little bit more interesting than just your typical straightforward fantasy like i love that you give me a dirt farmer who's going to save the world i'm in but i've also been reading this stuff since i was a kid and i don't think evan and rob had i'm interested to see i'm about to get the one ring rpg from free league at all all the kickstarters have a shipping and that is going to be and i want to run a campaign of that but i typically don't run traditional fantasy games like i just don't mm-hmm. so lord of the rings though you can't get much more traditional there'll be a lot that. of walking <laughs> so yeah i'm curious to see because i like you i like something that's kind of like a little bit different like for example ghost of salt marsh we went into it as not fantasy or not pirate but we went into it as like this is in our session zero we're like this is gonna this is going to be a family drama like that's what we wanted to be like we wanted this to be like three brothers them dealing with all of their emotional baggage like that to us was like number one and so which is definitely why we were able to like this this campaign's not been going. People, I completely forgot about it. last night was session thirty nine. Like that's a lot of that's a lot of sessions. Mm-hmm. So that you've been able to yeah. So it, it's kind of I think that's good campaigns. You know, subverting fantasy tropes, uh, letting players buy into the the world and create. But are, any other tips for what makes a good campaign for yourself, like long term stuff? Um, 
just having a place to go. Okay. You know, oh, that, I, I think, you know, yeah. typical, you know, dirt farmer to hero of the world, but, you know, in this the Made Men universe, they were low-level criminals in an organization, so they could become good. They had interactions with other organized crime. You know, they eventually figured out there was like an even sort of worse situation. They So they kind of ended up being the good guys in a way, but they had a lot of opportunities and places to explore in the world. And not, I don't mean to say physical places, but like niches of okay. who are we right now? Are we the good guys or are we the bad guys? Are we the bad guys or are we the bad guys? And like, I just felt like they had a lot of room to grow and the campaign still didn't go anywhere near where I thought it would, but it was a lot of fun along the way. Yeah. So, so yeah, giving opportunities for character growth, it's not just, uh, you know, getting, you now have three more hit dice, you know? Mm. So, and, and I think one of the things too, because guys, I really like made men. So you'll, you know, again, you'll, you'll notice like, I have no problem talking about it. It was one of the first times where I would, talk to the care of the players before a session and kind of outline what I wanted to happen in sort of like broad terms. I didn't like ruin anything, but I like was pretty clear. Uh, there's one episode in particular uh, where Omi, who's Rob's character, who we had established had a drug problem. That was one of his um, secrets is that he was addicted to drugs and he basically ODs and he spends the entire session unconscious but he loved that session because he was in on it. I said, this is what I'm thinking about with your character because there's a lot of emotional stuff going on. I was like, I feel like this is a time where Omi probably would indulge. What if we have your character OD and we see how the other two characters, you know, deal with it? I said, I'm not going to kill your character. So if they just like roll you in a ditch, you're not going to die. But are you okay with, you know, letting your OD here drive the narrative for the session? He's like, yes. It's an amazing session, and he literally did nothing but, like, act unconscious the entire time. But I talked to him about it before. If I hadn't said anything beforehand, I think it probably would have felt very differently. I don't think it ruined the experience for him because he really enjoyed being there. I didn't tell the other two characters what was going to happen. I just told his character, you know, him and what was going on with his character. And that's where I kind of developed that sense where I think it's okay to to kind of talk to your players before a certain session say, Hey, I think this is going to be a big family drama episode. I really want you to like, don't be afraid to lean into the role playing of like with your father or your mother, or your brother, or sister. That's what I want to ring from this episode to, to let them know that it's okay. Cause I know some people like me, I love to role play, but I also, I'm afraid that if I'm taking up too much time that like, I don't want to spotlight too much on me. I'm always like, I'm a very giving generous role player, Rob, or Rob shit, Tom. So, but if the DM says, no, this is what I want tonight. I really want you to just soak it up because it's going to build to this other thing. It kind of gives me permission to not worry about that as much. And I think that's a very big beneficial thing that I have changed because of the success of Made Men that I've carried forward. I do that a lot in Shadow Spawns. I talk to the characters a lot about, hey, this is what I see happening tonight. And, you know, things can go sideways. If it does, it's totally fine. I'm not going to say you have to do this, but I think this is going to be an episode where we spend a lot of time doing this and this. So don't be afraid to really lean into those things. Don't worry about taking up too much time. If this is all that happens, I'm fine with it. And I think it makes our sessions better. I, I cannot believe, I don't think we've ever talked about this. This is, I do this a hundred percent. I think this is an amazing thing for not just the session, but for the campaign, because what you do when you 
you prepare as the dungeon master, the game master, you prepare, you've got notes, give your players the highlights of that because that's what you you prepared. Like, this is kind of what's going to happen in the session. It's not a railroad. Like last night for Ghost of Saltmarsh, I knew that we were going to have a meeting of all of the allies of Saltmarsh. And then I knew that they were going to have a go try to talk to these this other kingdom as well in that same session. Like, that's what I prepared. So before our game, I said, all right, guys, we're going to do this this meeting, like, and then after the meeting, you guys can do some stuff. And then I've kind of prepared this this politics kind of thing because they had mentioned last time that they want to go do this. So I'm like, okay, I'll prepare a little thing for it. So I told them that. So then they were able to inform their earlier meeting with their allies about, oh, we're going to go talk to these other people. Anybody have any tips or anything? And because we did that, you create, we created in our game, like a progression. Like there was no, like just kind of floundering. Mm -hmm. So we're always moving forward. And that's like, if you're always moving forward, like you're just creating like an environment where people just want to keep on going. So, yeah. And I I mean, too, you know, again, I know, I know there's a lot of opinions about a lot of things, but, you know, if you spend any time on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, you'll hear people say, don't play D&D if you really like role playing. It's not, it's a combat simulator. I think that's bullcrap. But if I wanted to try to use the D&D rules to say, okay, Rob, I need your character Omi. I'm not going to tell, I don't tell him that, I, but I want his character to OD. So I would have him roll like a constitution saving throw when he does drugs that episode to see if he ODs. Then it's going to be kind of a conflict, and he's not going to want to fail that. He's going to try to pass that. He may even use resources like, you know, hero points or whatever the case may be, because he's going to see his ODing in that case as a negative for his character. So he's going to fight me for that. If I then force him to OD or like I say, oh, the DC's 47, it's going to feel very, very different. But because I said, okay, we're not going to worry about the rules of what it means for a character in D&D to OD. You're just going to say it's okay then we were allowed to bring all this emotional, this dramatic role play out of it because we kind of ignored the rules there. And I think that's where D&D lives best is that you can do that. But when it comes time to roll combat, I like rolling D20s. I like 20s or critical hits. And I like I, I like how combat works in D&D. So I want it there when I need it. But I'm okay with saying, you know what, we're not going to worry about the rules of, you know, how a poison works. Yeah. And I just say that your character's poisoned tonight because I think that'll be fun for the game. And if the character, if the player says no, then that's a conversation obviously you need to have. And I think it's okay for the player to say no. But if the DM's just trying to make the game fun, I think the player's going to see that. Or they yeah. should see that, in my opinion. And if they don't, maybe the DM's, you know, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a check for them as well. Like, oh, you know what? I didn't see that. Let me, let me make some other changes. But I just, I think my games have gotten so much better when I don't try to force things to happen with the rules as much as I, I get them, the players on board with what I'm trying to do. And then we use the rules to supplement. Yeah. No, I mean, all those things are great tips for good campaigns, but I, we've got to jump to the next topic because Michael, you just segue. So perfect. Oh, I'm so good. at that. Okay. I know. Right. So you talk about this whole idea of like the GM or the, the, the game master coming up with things that are fun for the players to do. Um, so in this episode, you talk about made men, there's a tower, all right? And in this tower, there's some sort of device. I can't remember if it's a portal or something where basically 
Evan talks about, like, you have obviously made this for them to interact with it and do something with it, all right? This is something that you have made for the players to do in your game. You've prepared this. And they had no idea what it was, and they were being so risk-adverse, all right, that they decided— I remember this, yes. Okay, so I want to know, like, so basically, he said that they tried everything— and they didn't. They couldn't figure out what it was. So they're like, "All right, we're just not going to do that." Yeah. All right. So, how disappointing is that as a dungeon master when you make something awesome and your players just don't do it because they're scared of it? Okay. So, a couple big points I want to talk okay. about here. One, the plan was for them to go through the portal. Yes. They did not ever go through that portal, and the campaign was better for it. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So it actually turned out to be better. That they didn't go through the portal because I then had to think of a – because I was trying to accomplish a certain thing. Because they didn't go through the portal, I had to come up with a different thing. And I think the thing I came up with was even better. Again, if anyone ends up listening, they can tell me if they agree or not. So part of this is a humility check on myself that what I thought was going to be great wasn't as good as what actually happened. Which is why I don't try to railroad really because I want to learn what happens, but I do plan and prepare. But at the same time, I apparently did not do a very good job of laying out this particular thing because the players knew exactly what I wanted them to do, but they basically refused to do it. It kind of made me a little bit mad at the time because I felt like it was them not trusting me. Like, you know, if, if they know that Michael wants them to jump in the portal, they should know that that portal is not going to zap them and kill them. That it's part of my story that I'm trying to help unfold and that this is the next step on it. But I did not do a good job. I apparently was not clear or I did not communicate, hey, I'm not going to kill your characters if you jump in this portal because that's what they thought was going to happen. They thought if we jump in here, we're going to die or, the, or their characters did So because they, they kept throwing yeah. things in it uh. and they would disappear and they thought it was like a dis- disintegration chamber. And so they're like, we're not going in there. And to be fair, to be fair, if this was a real situation and you were in a medieval fantasy world and now there was this alien technology and a purple light and everything you threw in there disappeared i probably wouldn't walk through it either but this is a DD campaign your yep. heroes i kind of feel like maybe they should have but again it worked out better that they didn't but i'm still kind of at a loss other than now i would be a lot more forward and say hey there's a thing that's going to happen tonight i need you to trust me Okay, just trust me. I'm not going to hose your characters over. Just roll with it. Do what you think will make the best kick-ass story and probably would give them just enough of a hint that when they get there, they trust me and walk into it. This is so funny because there is – what is it with tropes of portals and towers? Because I have done this too. I did this in Ghost of Saltmarsh a few months ago where basically I had a, I had a tower. There's a portal at the top that takes them over to Limbo, all right? So the – and I have – so they get up to the top. And then Alex, he plays Dungeons and Dragons. Like when he plays, he is in his character. Like he is his character. So he, I made this, I'm like, you obviously have to go through this. He would not go through the portal because his character was like, I'm not jumping through a portal to the plane of limbo. Like I'm just not. So, but thankfully, so which I'm like, that's a totally valid and he does great role play. But I'm so, but Jake though having Jake Jake is a dungeon master he he plays at such a meta level he's like yeah I'm jumping through this portal Tom never kills our characters we'll just go for it so he thankfully he just jumped through the portal you know to see what was over there and right. then everybody else just winds up going with it but yeah I totally get it like 
it's so funny when you do make something for the players that is so obvious and your players know it, but they're just like, ah, my character would not go into that hole that you've made. It's just like, you know, and again, I think this goes back to some of like, maybe there's like some primordial self-preservation mechanics, you know, built into the human mind that we, why would we do this thing that that could kill us? But, you know, in a role-playing game, especially in a heroic version, and I think D&D is a heroic role-playing game, that I feel like that's the type of thing, that's, that's when you can jump in the portal. Because in real life, Michael is not going to jump into the glowy portal thing, but I want my character to because it's going to be fun no matter what happens. And, I, I mean, I don't know that I have a good solution here other than maybe just event frustrations and, you know, try to think like, well, what could I do differently next time? Yeah, But I think the biggest lesson, honestly, is it's okay that they didn't. Though it was frustrating at the time, it actually made the game better that they didn't. Okay. Uh, yeah, no. I'm going to end this with, I don't want to give any Dungeon Master advice and tell Dungeon Masters how to fix their games. Player advice. Players, just do it. Like, <laughs> just, just, come on. We work so hard to let you have fun, all right? Just go with us. It's just... This is not Tomb of Annihilation. If you walk it's in the not. portal, it's not going to instantly kill your character. If it does, then your DM's a dick. I just think about Willy Wonka. He's just like, come with me, and I'll yes. what, lead you See on a-, a world of imagination. It's just like, just just get in the boat and go down the Chocolate <laughs> River. Like, okay. Well, nice. yeah, there's, yeah. So anyway, uh, no, that was, it was, a, this is, it was a, it was a good, it was a good Dungeon Talk episode. I think so. I think, uh, again, I'm glad that we're back. Because we yeah. too are back after a month of hiatus, I hope my tumor is not back. Based yeah. on that in February, I'm glad a catacomb will likely be back. Wait for more information on that. And as always, Tom, thank you so much for doing all the heavy lifting on these episodes. I really appreciate you taking a listen to the old episodes. I'm going to yeah. put uh, obviously the link to Dungeon Talk 11 will be in the show notes here. If people want to go back and listen to the original version and the off color humor that uh, Evan interjected into my terrible story. I'm also going to put Made Men episode one and ghost of salt marsh episode one so if anybody would like to listen to either of those first episodes uh we'd love to hear it you can email us at the rpg academy at gmail.com with any comments questions or concerns that you have we love to hear from people with questions comments or concerns uh so anything else from you tom we've got a lot of stuff coming a lot of D D reviews down the pipeline um and then also expect to see some patreon revamps here we've got some ideas for for next year so yeah this is my big please if you listen to our show if you like what we do please consider joining our patreon uh it has gone up and down over the years it's actually down now pretty low compared to where it has been and i do use that money to help pay for things in the show i just got my six month host gate uh host gator thing that's like 120 bucks i have to pay every six months and you know we had to buy tom a new microphone and I, my computer died this year so Again, we do this for fun. I'm going to keep doing it, even if no one does the Patreon at all. Don't 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 think that. But if you have a couple dollars a month that you can spend, it really does mean a lot to us. It helps us out, and we have plans, we have goals. We I want to start paying people who are part of the show that actually participate and, and help build it. And I can't do that without your support. We are going to revamp the Patreon completely. It's going to have all new levels, all new you know rewards and that kind of stuff somewhere near the middle end of December. But you can jump on now. Uh, the $1 a month is going away. That is one of the things that's going to happen because the way Patreon works, if you pay a dollar, which again, I love a dollar. Thank you for sending me a dollar. But by the time Patreon takes their fees and then the Stripe fees or whatever the payment processing, 
it's like 48 cents and 48 cents is great, but it's almost not really worth it to you or me. So the minimum is going to be three bucks. Uh, so that's really going to be the biggest change is the minimum is $3. I did have one person who's like, hey, but how about I just send you $12 a month on PayPal or $12 a year on PayPal? Great. Do that. Uh, PayPal.me slash the RPG Academy. Then you don't have to worry about fees or anything. Just send me 12 bucks a year. That would be fantastic if you want to start at the $1 level. Okay. Tom, where can people find you on social media? You can follow me at BezcarTom on Twitter. Yes, that's Mandalorian Metal Tom on Twitter. Super excited right now. Boba Fett's coming. Yeah, it's... when is it? When does it come out? December twenty something. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm loving Hawkeye. You like? It? I know you're not. I haven't watched. I haven't watched the new episode yet. It's amazing. Third to. episode is the best one yet. I love. Okay. I was already on board, but yes, I loved the third episode. So fantastic. So so much media right now to consume. Yeah, wheel of time. Maybe that'll be some of our Patreon stuff. We need to get back into doing some some breakdowns. But anyway, oh my word, yes. Before we go, okay. we always like to say: remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.